The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now, the former Taoiseach Bertie Hearn's new podcast, As I Remember It, was launched last night. It is a News Talk original and it tells the story of the Good Friday Agreement through the eyes of those who negotiated it. And it marks the first time that many of them have come together to reflect on the agreement and the 25 years that followed. There are a great lineup of guests on it Bill Clinton, Tony Blair, Alistair Campbell, representatives from all of the main political parties at the time, those people who are still with us, all having got together. And there are incredible stories shared. Liz O'Donnell features as well. She is a former Minister of State at the Department of Foreign Affairs from 1997 to 2002. And I'm delighted to say uh, she is with me here uh, on the hard shoulder. Liz, you're very, very welcome to the programme. Um, before we talk about the podcast proper, as it were, I know you were at the launch last night and there was talk about the situation 25 years ago in the lead up to the Good Friday Agreement and, and as if we needed a reminder of the precariousness of peace and why we still refer to peace as a, a process. I mean, with that awful shooting of an off-duty PSNI officer last night and the PSNI then saying their chief focus is dissidents in the new IRA. Yeah, it's a chilling reminder of, you know, um, how even after 25 years, you know, we cannot take our peace for, for, for granted. Um, and I think over the years, a lot of people have, have taken it for granted and presumed that there's never going to be any violence again. Uh, and last night's horrible um, event has, has just reminded us all of how normalised that was years ago. Um and Bertie was recalling that last night as he as he introduced his his podcast. Uh, and I think his motivation, um, as well as being, I suppose, as recounting history, which is very important for next generations uh, and the current generation, even um, it, it's it's important for us to to say that uh, the peace process is a process. Um, it's also a political process. Um, thankfully, to date, we haven't had a security uh, situation arising uh, due to the difficulties. But uh, the politics has always been difficult. And I think those of us who were around the table at the time knew that uh, the scale of what was envisaged by the Good Good Friday Agreement, the scale of change envisaged and how Northern Ireland would be governed about how relations between the UK and Ireland were were changed. um, We knew it was only beginning and it was only a beginning and it took so long. It took... Uh, seven years before the institutions were up and running uh, in Northern Ireland. Uh, and so those institutions, which are a very important part of the agreement, um, because it means the governance of Northern Ireland is, you know, is not yet politically stable. Mm. Um, and that's uh, that's that's a great source of regret to those of us who are involved. But I think we still have our precious peace and it's very important to to look after that and make sure that we never return to that. I don't think we will, um, but the the politics has always been tricky, um, and I don't think the great promise uh, envisaged by the Good Friday agree- Agreement has been achieved because there hasn't been uh, reconciliation uh, across the communities, and there hasn't been uh, the degree of working together that mm. was envisaged under the agreement. Um, and I, I was listening to Alistair Campbell chatting with Pat this morning and he made an observation and I'm, I'm sure it's true for you because it's, it's true for everyone on this island. When, when you hear Oma as well, it of course has resonances and, and echoes of the worst experiences of the past. Yeah, uh, because uh, Oma came four months after the agreement 
which, you know, broke my heart, actually, because uh, I think all of us who had been involved thought that everything had been set at naught again and that we were back in the old days of bloodshed and bombings. Uh, now, ultimately, and you, did you, re- you really felt there was this feeling, my God, the wheels have come off here? Oh, totally. Uh, and I think if OMA had happened before the agreement, we wouldn't have had, a, had an agreement. Um, it was horrendous. I had passed through OMA the previous day to come home to a christening in Dublin from Donegal. And I had noticed, actually, going through OMA, that all the security that had been so much part of Northern Ireland towns and villages had been dismantled because of the demilitarisation by the British government. So... Uh, You know, there were children sitting on walls eating ice creams. It was a warm, sunny day in August and uh, I just thought, gosh, that's wonderful. And the following day then, OMA happened. But uh, ultimately that turned out to be a dissident Republican thing. But at the time, we didn't care. At the time, we felt that we had been sold a pup. I mean, I felt completely responsible for lulling people into a sense of security, a false sense of security, as it turned out, uh, in terms of uh, policing organisations, policing arrangements in Roma. But uh, listen, it's uh, in the round, in the round over the 25 years, we've had, we've had peace, we've had, we've had a peace that we should, we should treasure. Uh, And uh, I think the big regret I have is that the institutions haven't been running, and that's what that's what John Hume and Seamus and Seamus um, Mallon uh, were so excited about on that night before the Good Friday Agreement was was reached. Uh, that was about the internal governance of Northern Ireland. There were, that for, there was going to be power sharing. It was going to be equality of opportunity. There's going to be a whole new way of governance. People across community working together, you know, taking responsibility for their executive uh, decisions. Um, that's really what was important about the future governance of Northern Ireland. And unfortunately, it hasn't been politically stable enough to sustain those institutions. I mean, the first delay was, I think, caused by its the, the, the confidence of the unionist community was drained by the slow progress on decommissioning. Mm. And that was always my view that David Trimble had taken such a risk and taken a leap of faith and confidence uh, that decommissioning would happen soon. But in fact, it took so long and that's why the institutions really only got up and running. They were only fitfully sitting uh, because the confidence was draining from the unionist community and indeed uh, confidence amongst lots of people because there was no decommissioning for so long. So that was the first mistake. And then after that, it was just like confidence as between the parties and relations as between the parties um, you know, have not evolved in the way we thought and hoped that they would. Mm. Other aspects of the agreement turned out to be really successful, like policing uh, and the, you know, you know, the justice system, equality legislation, all of those things have huge transformations. And of course, we've had in security terms, we've had we've had peace. So um, it is a process. It was a fallible process. A lot of it wasn't stitched up on the the morning of Good Friday. Um, And we knew that. But um, it's a political process and it's it's down to the the parties in Northern Ireland to get together and I suppose to revisit the sort of sense of urgency we had on that yeah. day to, to to reach agreement. Well, tell me a little bit about your own involvement then, your direct involvement. Actually, bring me back before that to 97 in the summer when the government was formed yeah. and you were appointed Minister uh, of State in the Department of Foreign Affairs. Yeah. Uh, like immediately... Were were you of a mind right that the North is is no, on my it agenda? Was, it here. wasn't, and I didn't know it was going to be on my agenda because oh. at that time there was the ceasefire. There was no ceasefire. Mm. Uh, Canary Wharf had 
blown everything off course. So there was no negotiations going on. Uh, but then on the 20th of July, uh, there was a ceasefire announced by uh, the IRA, and which meant we were technically potentially back in business in terms of the negotiations. There was a kind of a a, a decontamination period which was required under our rules before Sinn Féin could enter the talks and if the ceasefire held. So um, Mary Harney just rang me on the phone to say uh, in my office in Ivy House to say by the way you're doing the North which was like a bit daunting frankly but <laughs> I'd anyway I'd so. <laughs> frankly I, I, I spent the whole summer doing my homework reading up all the documents so so much had been done before by the previous governments um, you know this process had been going on since 1993 when Albert Reynolds and John Major you know you know, uh, set down the basic outlines of an agreement the, the Downing Street Declaration framework document so a lot of work had been done by previous governments. So we had to pick up all that. Uh, and uh, before that, John Bruton and his colleagues had worked, you know, to, to as best they could to keep uh, to keep things on the on the rails. So we then, uh, having done all my homework all over the summer, g- getting familiar with the documents. It was important to be familiar with the language because in a in a in a, a system that was so devoid of trust, uh, parties not knowing each other and. Mm. And walkouts, you know, walkouts were always a threat um, to the negotiations. It was important not to get words wrong, to say the wrong word. You could have a walkout. So I was determined not to not to make a mistake. So or, what, what do you mean, like as in how you'd refer to the six counties or something like yeah, that? Yeah, or even or? to talk, yeah, the, the province. But, you know, there, there's all these words that people use in Northern Ireland, Ireland, the north of Ireland or Northern Ireland. And, you know, and also even to talk about you know, north-south bodies with executive functions like like that would frighten the horses in you know, okay. at the time yeah. because the 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 unionist community were not willing to talk about north-south bodies. Uh, so even to agree a substantive agenda took us a long time. Um, and and then the minute uh, Sinn Fein came into the talks in September, the DUP walked out. So immediately we were without a huge cohort of unionist opinion in the negotiations, which was always a concern for me because it meant also, uh, apart from losing that cohort of, of political opinion, we had David uh, Trimble on his own left to carry the unionist flag mm. in the negotiations. And that was a very, very difficult situation for him. Uh, and we could see that and the British government could see that because uh, he was being vilified outside the talks by the DUP. Um, and so himself and the loyalist parties were there. Uh, but it meant that they were very cautious in making any concessions because they were they would be publicly vilified and electorally vilified as in subsequent elections. And it's always interesting because Bertie talked last night as well about you know, how well he got on personally with some of the unionist community, hardliners uh, in particular. And I, I can't remember who as well was talking about the sense of Britishness and Irishness, that they're both still very much prevalent and they would have been very much so at the time. So, I mean, had you on a on a personal level, set aside your kind of professional standards and everything, did, did you have a sense of kind of the us and them? You know what I mean? That 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 the union that that David Trimble and the UUP, <clears throat> PUP, the DUP, whoever it happened to be, that they were kind of the other. No, actually, I didn't, and I think that probably goes back to, well, first of all, I was married to a Protestant. Uh, secondly, um, uh, the Progressive Democrats traditionally always had a more moderate view on Northern Ireland on the on the on the settlement yeah. prospects. We we accepted the principle of consent long before other people did. Uh, so. 
I was there as part of the negotiating team, of course, uh, the government team with, with Bertie Ahern and Fianna Fáil, but I also had been influenced by my party's position on Northern Ireland, which was had a more moderate and um, you know accommodating approach to the unionist community. Who did you strike up friendships with? Because you must have. Mo. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> Mo, yeah. Uh, and Monica. Um, actually, the Women's Coalition played a huge part. But uh, but Mo, I think it was lucky that, and it was really just a fluke, I think, that I happened to be a woman and on the team uh, and the British government had a Secretary of State who was a woman. Uh, so fortunately, around the table, um, you know, we had, we had women in the negotiations. But I think particularly the Women's Coalition gave a particular input because they came from across the community and they didn't come from normal politics. They came with grievances. They they came with a view to help uh, and to they were very constructive and helping the governments and the parties to overcome obstacles, procedural obstacles. And they also had a different agenda. They talked about victims. They talked about a bill of rights and human rights. Uh, and of course, women in Northern Ireland had for for many years been part of the peace movement um, and and initiators of the peace movement because they had been the mothers that and the. Uh, and the the mothers and the wives, partners of prisoners, of people who've been killed, of of uh, soldiers who had been killed. So, you know, there was a great. They came from civil society. They didn't yeah. come from the normal tribes, which was really helpful to us in the negotiations. Well, listen. Despite as you said right at the outset that it's still a process and it hasn't all panned out the way it was maybe expected. It was still one of the great moments in the history of this island and. It's all featured in this podcast, uh, as I remember it, uh, with former Taoiseach Bertie O'Hearn and Liz appears in a couple of episodes. Episode 7, I believe, the starring role. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So we will have to hold out for episode 7. Listen, Liz, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Liz O'Donnell, of course, I was uh, the former Minister of State at the Department of Foreign Affairs from 1997 to 2002. And the first three episodes are available now to listen to, uh, as I remember it, uh, former Taoiseach Bertie O'Hearn's new podcast, uh, telling the story of the Good Friday Agreement. Agreement. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.